Hey everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pearson's in the Podcast. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Sarah. And this show is brought to you in association with Eric Stitt Art and Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Now, we always bring you the show on a Thursday. Um, and if you're listening to it just after we release it in a minute, you're going to realise it's coming to you on a Friday. This is because we've had a little problem in our family. Um, and yesterday, we were still taking time to digest um, the situation. Um, wrap our heads around it. So it wouldn't have been fair for us to do this show for you t- yesterday because it wouldn't have been 100%. No, it wouldn't. So... um. Yeah, thank you very much for sticking with us, bearing with us. Um, so it's coming to you on a Friday instead. <laughs> Just for this week. Only this week. Yeah, we're not we're not planning on any other family problems within the next sort of like week or so, are we? Not planning any. No, no that would be nice if we had none. Oh, so in this week, Sarah tells a story and Jimmy says some words. What stories you got for us, Sarah? Well, my first story is Apollo Ten Lunar Module finally found. Question mark. Question mark. Let's get the question mark. Question mark. Question mark. And the second story is aliens are breeding with humans to save Earth. Obviously they are. Of course they are. They've been doing it for centuries. Yeah. Centuries. Uh, My two stories will be Christian cannabis. Jesus would have been cool with the weed, says Christian cannabis pastor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And my second story, which I've left to the last because there's a chance I could get very emotional, will be the passing of Peter Mayhew uh, today, um, otherwise known as the beautiful, beautiful, very lovely Chewbacca that is a family favourite of ours. So tomorrow is May the 4th. May the 4th, yes. Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. It is. And it's also another live show tomorrow. It is, absolutely, with the amazing Sue Walker and Reverend White Otter. That's right. And if you don't know those, they are from the Sandia Mountain Crew in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and they are doing our beginner's guide to telepathy, um, which seems to be going down really, really well. Last week, we had the really awesome uh, Sabrina Campbell from Canada on, and she was doing our beginner's guide to psychics. And that show rocked. It did. She's absolutely amazing and never disappoints. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it was that good that I think... we, we Well, I don't think. I actually know. We went into overtime and we ended up broadcasting for an extra half an hour longer because the, the content and everything was just brilliant. And the thing is, is, like, when you've got a show that's going and you've got good content coming out, you just don't want to stop. No, that's right. And you've got great questions coming from the listeners. You've got great content. Why stop if if everyone's okay to go for a little bit of extra time? Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. I and mean, we try and we try and limit our show to two hours. I mean, we've done shows in the past that have gone on for like nearly four hours and yes, things we like have. that. Um, so yeah, we're trying to stick to a two-hour format. But as I say, every now and then you get a great guest, and you you want to go into overtime. Of course you do. So. Okay, Sarah, do you want to kickstart us off? Where's the uh, where's the story come from? It's come from Disclosed TV. 
and the Apollo 10 lunar module finally been found? Question mark. Question mark. Yep. 50 years ago, Apollo 10, answering to Charlie Brown, set off on a mission into space. It was a practice run for the Apollo 11 mission that had happened two months later, the one which first put man on the moon. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. The lunar module was no longer needed and was simply fired off into orbit as the three astronauts made their way back to Earth in a control module. With no realistic way to track it or bring it back, it was just forgotten about, or so everyone thought. Eight years ago, Nick Howes, an astronomer, began a project that would attempt to locate the last surviving module and even managed to get astronomers from around the world to focus their telescopes on regions of the moon where he calculated it may pass through. After going many years without any luck, a team of British astronomers believe they may have located the lunar module from NASA's Apollo 10 mission 50 years after the crew released it into orbit. Up until the Apollo 10 mission, all the other craft that which are used during the Apollo missions were either fired into the moon for seismology experiments or jettisoned to burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. Therefore, the lunar module from Apollo 10, nicknamed Snoopy, is one of the greatest surviving relics of the moon landings. And now, scientists want to devise a way to retrieve it as it orbits some 50,000 feet above the lunar surface. During the mission, two of the three astronauts that were transferred into it as it drifted nine miles above the moon's surface, the pair then moved back into the command module and the mission was deemed a success. After this, Snoopy was fired off and left to drift in orbit around the sun forever with no realistic way to track it. It was then forgotten about. Back in 1969, at the time of the mission, Tom Strafford, a member of Apollo 10 crew, radioed back to Houston from his own orbit around the moon, saying that the crew had completely lost sight of the lunar module after they jettisoned it from the command module. That was the last that was spoke of it. While astronomers have suggested that this, in fact, the lunar module from Apollo 10 space mission, they can only be so sure. Even the strongest telescopes can't see an object that's that far away. It's only about four metres wide. The only way to be 100% sure and verify that the object is in fact the lunar module is to go up there and check. Howes believe there is a strong argument to do so as it's part of history and would be amazing to have an intact lunar module back on Earth. He is now hoping that someone in the initiative with the right amount of funding, such as Richard Branson or Elon Musk, both of whom have expressed interest in space exploration, devise some sort of plan to capture it and bring it back down to Earth for verification. The amount of engineering that went into the Apollo set of missions was absolutely remarkable. Apparently. 
even the mere possibility that there may be a surviving lunar module out there is just mind-blowing. Hopefully someone or even an organisation steps forward to assist in the retrieval of this subject so that we can all see it for ourselves. It definitely is exciting. Who knows what else could be floating around out there that we are yet to discover. Wow. Yes. So, if they're already planning on doing other moon missions to get up there mm-hmm. and get the bits and pieces or get to the moon or what, why don't you just fit it with a net and we can just catch it on the way? On the way there or all the way back, yeah. Well, I mean, you know. I mean, like, I mean, everyone always says whether or not they made it to the moon, right? And the beauty of this is you don't actually have to make it to the moon. You've only got to get to, like, nine miles above the moon, and it's there. Well, it's not nine miles above the moon. Well, it's, yeah, 50,000 feet. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so it's about nine miles. Okay. So you ain't even got to get to the moon to get it. <laughs> it's the just, beauty. Just a little bit. Just... Yes. Yeah, or what? What they could do is, is like they could send the other guys off to go and sort of like get on the moon, and they can kind of bounce around, do their thing. And the guy that normally stays in the command module sits there, big fishing rod. <laughs> Gone fishing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd work. Yeah. But I've got to find something that's four meters wide in all of this rubbish that's floating round. Yeah. In space. Yeah, when there's a lot there. Have you ever seen like a map of how much space junk's around Earth? There is a hell of a lot. That's not in, even including the uh the satellites that are all up there as well. I know. There be, there was a time when you like when you were firing yourself up into sort of like space and like to get to the moon and that all you'd have to worry about is sort of like the Van Allen radiation belt. Now you've got to worry about hitting other countries like satellites and stuff like that and creating sort of like massive kind of international problems yeah imagine that american like rocket hitting like a russian satellite or a chinese one it wasn't me i didn't mean to i'm so sorry (laughs) no that's good that's good so yeah no that'd be cool i mean you imagine them getting that down and that taking sort of like pride of place in kennedy space center that would just be amazing right okay so now on to my story Jesus would have been cool with weed, says Christian Cannabis Pastor. Craig Goss launched, uh, sorry, Gross launched, uh, the, oh, hang on, let me get this right, sorry. This is from vice.com. So Craig Gross launched a new website to have the conversation with other evangelicals about using pot. On Saturday, 420, Obviously, what other day would you use? Exactly. I know, right? Duh. Um, a day before Easter, a 43-year-old uh, non-denominational Christian pastor named Craig Gross went into the desert for Coachella and shot a video, which is available on YouTube, about how much he loves weed. Gross, raised a Baptist in Northern California, has the look of a Christian, utterly at home in the country's most Image Conscious Music Festival. Plain t-shirt. One shaved side of his head. Long hair on the top of his scalp. Parted precisely with gel. He resembles an emo kid grown polite with age. Gross's new venture announced in that YouTube video um, is unusual. Even by the standards of the crowded cannabis industry, Christian Cannabis, 
a website that sells religiously themed vape pens and CBD balm, and which caters to devout Christians who love weed as much as he does. Hmm. Christians love weed? Do they? Um, I want to start the com a new conversation today, Gross says in the video. Staring into the camera between shots of propeller planes ascending into the sky at Coachella's Instagram famous Ferris wheel. And it's a larger conversation than just recreational or medicinal, legal or illegal, THC or CBD, but a conversation about the emotional, physical and, dare I say, spiritual effects that I've had with this controversial plant. At the moment, Gross said, Christian leaders don't know how to talk about the plant, since many of them have absolutely no actual experience with it. Gross himself uh, said he didn't try any drugs until he was 37. As cannabis gains cultural and political acceptance and young evangelicals move further to the left than their parents, it seems likely that Christians, along with everyone else, will be casually vaping THC and CBD and snacking on the occasional pot chocolate. And if Christians are smoking weed... Why can't weed be Christian? <laughs> I imagine more and more Christian communities will be grappling with how people will integrate their cannabis use with their Christian beliefs. Gary Laderman, a professor at Emory University who studies the intersections between religion and drugs, told Vice. Christian cannabis has already gained some traction on so social media. Steve Mayers, a pastor based in Los Angeles, lauded Gross in an Instagram comment, writing, The church is finally talking about mental health, acknowledging its validity, uh, the importance of seeking medical treatment. Craig is not a drug dealer. He's not evil. He's just been on a journey and wants to start an honest conversation. Meanwhile, in a sermon posted on Facebook on Sunday, the preacher, Charlie McMahon, of the Southbrook Christian Church in Ohio, Wow, I can never get that right. Which, like many churches, helps people recover from drug addiction, came out against it. We have a ministry partner who has taken up the business of selling pot, he said to the audience. He is going to be soon a former ministry partner of ours. Because he believes, hey, if you take medication, why shouldn't you be able to take this medication? And in a church based in recovery, that ain't going to work. Gross is ready for both... Um, this celebration and blowback, no pun intended. I mean, let's be honest, Gross said over the phone earlier this week. Christian cannabis, there's no such thing. I hate the name. It's stupid. But inside the Christian world, and it's the thing I hate about it, you have to have your own products. Although those products are not yet available for purchase, don't appear to be much different from your standard secular weed commodities, other than the language used to sell them. One, sativa-dominant vape pen called Praise, promises to help shed light in shadowed places. Another called Purpose asks whether it's possible that, while claiming to champion sobriety, we are often inebriated by the clutter inside our minds. And then there's People. Cannabis-infused microdose mints, said to be the perfect aid to help you turn your eyes outward so that you may love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. I wish I had options like this when I first walked into the weed shop in California, Gross said. 
For many years, he, uh, he had chronic migraines. He said sometimes getting hospitalized and ending up with large medical bills. After he watched Sanjay Gupta's CNN weed documentary, he was intrigued and quickly obtained a medical card in Southern California where he was living. Cannabis soothed the pain that doctors had been unable to quell. Plus, as he mentions on the site, he believes it also brought him closer to God. Call me crazy, he writes, but that little green cross pointed my eyes towards the real cross and I finally saw it. Ordinary pot merchants don't really speak his language, Gross said, and he was initially overwhelmed with the stoner verbiage. To that end, he's spreading the gospel of cannabis and encouraging evangelical Christians, those unfamiliar with, unsure of, or intimidated by the plant, to share their thoughts in an online forum. What's happening right now is what I wanted, Gross said. When I have a pastor friend of mine who's off depression medication, he's saying, hey, I'm hiding the marijuana, and maybe one day, Craig, I won't have to hide it, and I won't have to be fired from my job. Carl Reschka, a professor of religious studies at the University of Denver, doesn't buy what he called a gimmick. As far as I can tell, Gross is a kind of showman who, like many others of his ilk, tries to create a sensation around himself by positioning oneself as uh, oneself as one who is courageously transgressing Christian norms regarding pot, he said in an email. It's not much different from a bunch of so-called theobros from evangelical backgrounds who get together to drink a beer ski or Bible study and pride themselves on being edgy or naughty. But the general view from the outside is, so what? Gross is accustomed to being at the centre of this sort of con uh, conversation. In 2004, he and fellow pastor Mike Foster developed the bait and sound, uh, switch xxxchurch.com, an online ministry that targets unsuspecting men searching for pornography who are prompted to download programmes preventing them from watching pornography, a project the two of them hoped would fight porn addiction. Gross then toured the country with porn star Ron Jeremy, debating the adult actor about the effects of porn. Oh, hello, lost a bit. Gross has anticipated this kind of argument and has positioned himself on the opposite side. Cannabis has helped his mind. It hasn't destroyed it. What I see right now in the cannabis world, it reminds me of 2002 when everyone in the church told me I was so early on the issue of porn and sex, he said. And it's like, I'm just reacting to the world, rest of the world that's talking about this. If we want to be relevant, we have to be too. So, Christian, Christian, Christian weed. Can you imagine going into work, getting drug tested, and then blaming it on the Sunday sermon? God made me do drugs. Jesus let me do them. Yeah, they they replace like the sermon, like wine with a bifter, and then instead of getting the rice paper or anything, they order Pizza. a Domino's. Yeah. Oh, how many people would go to church if you got a bifter and Domino's pizza? You'd certainly get a different crowd. Or, or, if you don't smoke, they give you like... Hotcakes. Fudge, fudge brownie, yeah. Hot cakes. Pot chocolate. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, could you imagine how much love there would be in that church? Oh my goodness. No one would be able to love is all around. No one would be able to like sing or anything, would they? Because like no one would be no, able to no, see no, the words. No, no. <laughs> or they would get dry mouth. Dry mouth, <laughs> get <laughs> hot <laughs> in the mouth, and everyone would be stuck to the seats. <laughs> oh wow. Christians on pop. And on that bombshell, we're gonna venture into an ad break. So we will speak to you shortly. you like to own your own piece of digital space art or have your own commissioned with Eric's dit art that is totally possible he's a digital space artist and illustrator from the Denver Colorado area he uses Adobe Photoshop and Wacom Syntec 22 HDT to create fantastically unique art and landscapes like still shots from movies never made his art is very well known and sought after you can visit his site at ericstittart at blogspot.com. And if you also become a Patreon supporter, all wallpaper downloads are free. Shadows of Your Mind is an online magazine covering alternative topics, including UFOs, the paranormal, mythical beasts and ancient history. Every issue is packed full of great articles and interviews with recognisable names from the alternative community. It's fully interactive with links to videos, audio files and further reading. It's a magazine you can dip into and get involved in. More importantly, it's free to read, free to download and there are no subscription fees. So visit www.shadowsmagazine.co.uk and they are also available on all social media Facebook, Twitter and Instagram And we're back uh, Sorry, we're still um, finding the uh, the Christian cannabis story quite amusing Munchies to the ready. Munchies to the ready, indeed. Right, okay, so Sarah, next story. Okay, and this story comes from Half Post. Aliens are breeding with humans to save Earth, Oxford professor claims. Extraterrestrials are breeding with humans beings to produce a super species which could one day save the planet from climate change according to an Oxford University professor. Alien-human hybrids could already be walking among us Dr Young Hai Chi an academic at Oxford Oriental Institute claimed. Dr. Chi openly believes there is a strong correlation between alien abductions and changes to Earth's climate, the Oxford student, a campus newspaper reported. In a lecture given to a conference in 2012, Dr. Chi said it is not only scientists and theologians, Logians. but also non-human species who appear to be greatly concerned about the survivability of the human species. 
a more recent attempt by the professor to have a subject discussed at the prestigious university's debate club was rejected last year, an Oxford student said. Dr Chi, who is from South Korea, told newspaper that aliens are just next to us, but we can't see them. He said if they are far, they shouldn't be concerned about us. I don't think we are far. They are far away. We are just, they are just next to us. We just can't see them. <laughs> we can use an analogy of fish which can think and perceive things only in the way they can. And humans also perceive only in the way we can. So our perception of the world is limited by our organs. In his 2012 address, Dr. Chi said perhaps human civilization is coming to an end and that extraterrestrials can sense this. The professor said he agreed with theories that aliens are intent on producing hybrids. It may be more or less assumed that the hybrid uh, project is a response to the impending demise of human civilization, Dr. Chi said. He added that if aliens really wanted to colonise the Earth, they should have started many centuries earlier. Dr. Chi said this week that he was looking for more evidence to support his theory and told HuffPost UK the majority of reactions to his claims are like, yeah, you're right. I've also experienced abductions by aliens. I can tell you more in detail if you wish. Or, what you said may be true. Occasionally people ask, do you have any evidence for your claim that aliens are abducting humans? My answer is usually that abductions are reported from everywhere. UK, US, Germany, France, Japan, Korea, etc. With significant commonalities between them, Dr. Chi added in an email. So, there we go. It's not a new theory, is it? Let's be honest. I mean, that's something that's been out there for a long time. Um, Even going back to sort of like the controversial Anunnaki theory, that they've been here for a long time, they've been amongst us, they've mated with us, you know, they're sort of like human hybrid colonies and things like that. So it's nothing really new, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I love his... I love his, like, well, they're so close, but we can't see... I mean, we can't even see a four-metre capsule by the moon. So what chance have we got? (laughs) (laughs) Although there have been those um, E-shaped structures that have been found on Mars. Yeah. So telescopes have picked those up, all right? Yeah. So, hmm. I suppose there is that possibility. Yeah. So, following, obviously, the sad news we got last night... um, I woke up this morning and I thought it'd be a new day. But I turn on my phone and there's a couple of messages from a couple of our fans and one from the news itself, which said, this is from wegotthiscovered.com. Chewbacca actor Peter Mayhew passes away at 74. 
and it's by David Pountin. Now, for many of you that listen that may be around the same age as me, or even older, will remember the original trilogies, and you'll also remember how Chewbacca was such an important part of Star Wars. Um, all of us in Fascination Street, which is our other show, are big Star Wars fans. Chewie is a strong family favourite. And I'm sure it is all over the world. I've not ever spoke to one Star Wars fan that's not Chewie, hated Chewie, or anything like that. And he's like the lovable guy that we'd all want by us. It, you know, it said that George Lucas based him on his dog and stuff like that. And when you think about how Chewbacca was, he was he was like a dog. He was so loyal. He was always there by Han's side. He was always ready for the fight if anything got too close to his own. Do you know, it was it was beautiful, beautiful to watch on screen. And although Jonas, uh, I cannot pronounce his surname, has stepped up to uh, carry on. Uh, he, he started on Force Awakens, done uh, The Last Jedi, and obviously doing Chewbacca on this one. Um, I mean, he's doing a great job. But for me, it will always be Peter Mayhew because, you know, he was the original. So, yeah, it really saddened me because it's like the end of an era. And, you know, it's just probably nice to think that he's probably sat up there having a nice beer with Carrie Fisher now and Kenny Baker, who played RTD2. That's what what I want to think is really going on. So it's a it's a sad day for Star Wars fans everywhere. As the news has just emerged that the original Chewbacca actor Peter Mayhew has passed away at the age of seventy four. The announcement was made by the actor's official Twitter account, which shared the following message: "The family of Peter Mayhew, with deep love and sadness, regrets to share the news that Peter has passed away." He left us this evening of April 30th, 2019, with his family by his side in North Texas home. Mayhew first played the beloved Wookiee in 1977's A New Hope and reprised the role for all of Chewbacca's live-action appearances up to and including The Force Awakens. In a statement released by Mayhew's family, it said the staff fought his way back from being wheelchair-bound to stand tall for his return in J.J. Abrams' 2015 film. For 2017's The Last Jedi, the role passed to Finnish-born basketball player-turned-actor Jonas Sutumo, though Mayhew stayed on in consulting capacity. Mayhew landed his first acting job in 1976 as a minotaur in the Ray Harry Hewson uh, fantasy Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. However, the Star Wars... Uh, the star was still working as an orderly in a London hospital when he was discovered by George Lucas, who cast Mayhew as Chewie based on his towering physique. At peak height, he was 7 feet 3 inches. That's a whole, like, 12 inches taller than me, and I'm massive. Beyond the Star Wars films, Mayhew has guested on a variety of TV shows in the role of Chewbacca, including The Muppet Show and, most recently, Glee, back in 2017. Suotamo offered the following kind words about his predecessor via Instagram. Chewbacca is one of the most iconic characters in the history of the film. 
and Peter's development and portrayal of this beloved Wookiee has spread so much joy around the globe. Peter's guidance and kindness have been invaluable gifts which warmed my spirit and prepared me for this journey. I aspire to make Peter proud and bring Star Wars fans the Chewie they know and love. Mayhew is survived by his wife Angie and three children. There will be a private memorial service on June 29th and early in December. So, that's it. It's the end of another era. As we get older, the legends go and stuff like that. Yeah. But as I say, Jonas, I mean, he's he's done a great job as Chewie. Yes, so far. He's been amazing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they where they take it. I mean, I hope that they give him, like, a nice kind of bit at the end because I know like going through social media on Twitter Harrison Ford he put out something beautiful Kathleen Kennedy the president of uh, Lucasfilm she also put out something really really lovely as well and the thing is I'm not going to go into reading all those out because I just know that I'm going to break and I do not want to break on my own podcast fair enough so um yeah it's um and the fact as well that he died so close uh, Star Wars Day. Yeah, very, very close indeed. Yeah. Only a few days, what, three days off? Yeah. But it took him a couple of days to announce it, so... Yeah, well, it's hard to announce yeah, anything of course. when you're... Absolutely, I mean, blimey. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those. But um, we will be doing um, a tribute to his life and his work uh, tomorrow on Fascination Street, which is starting at 8pm UK time. Um, so if you're available, then please come and join us. Absolutely. And we look forward to uh, seeing you all tomorrow. So it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Just remember, life is a series of hellos and goodbyes. So until the next show, it's a goodbye from us both. <laughs>